Hey guys, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Allen. Yes! You know, this podcast is dedicated to bringing honest, authentic conversations so that you can have a healthy, happy, healthy, juicy love life. Here's Crazy Juicy Love. So welcome back, guys, to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. <laughs> My friend here is just grinning. Uh, his name is Jamal Smiles, which is like a nickname. <laughs> um, you know, thank you for being on the show, Jamal. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Yeah, they, you can talk. <laughs> I'm not a robot. <laughs> yeah, you're not a robot. <laughs> I'm actually here in present. Yeah, you're here in present. <laughs> so um, th- the reason why I wanted to bring this gentleman on is because something has happened in his <laughs> life and it's worthy of talking about it. Um, you know, um, and I think when I was on the phone with you that day, when I asked you to be on the podcast, it was, well, obviously I was like very emotional, <laughs> like because <laughs> we've had plenty of talks, <laughs> you know, and mostly you telling me to cut the crap, like cut the shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, um, I think I told you this that I am in these two entrepreneurial programs, um, being coached in my own business and stuff like that, and. One of the programs I'm in is in B-School and like, you know, it's, it's a lot of like work, <laughs> which is great work, but good work and like being specific on your business and your uh, clients and what have you. And then in one of the um, the booklets, there's a question <laughs> and it says, who in your business is killing it? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, okay. Like I couldn't, I, I could think of so many people. And I was like, oh, like I don't know any black men that are killing them as a coach or any black game or gay men that are out there like doing a damn thing. So anyway, so, and this is B-School and B-School is by Maria Folio. And then there's like over 4,000 people in this program and like the community wow. is so great. And it, like any question you need ask, they're like, they're like, blah, 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 blah. They're like, and like, and 90%, no, probably 95% women, probably 1% black and like a very small percentage are men. And wow. um, uh, and so I was like, well, I don't know any, I kind of went under the, uh, the, 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 the thread. I was like, I don't really know any African-American gay men who are killing it. And they bought this one girl, brought this name up. His name is Jason Rosario, which he's not a coach, but he has a mission on helping men bring mental health and health to the forefront because men don't talk about health at all. And so somehow, right, this is why I want to bring it up. (laughs) They don't. And so he created a show called Dear Men, Mm. which is um, he interviewed all these different celebrities. It's really good. Mm. And they all talk about their mental health issues, suffering from anxiety, suffering from some kind of like health issue. Mm-hmm. And they talk about like why men don't talk about health and how that needs to change because what's also if you see what's happening in the world, like with Me Too, all these movements that are like men or I forgot the other one. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, mm-hmm. just 
bringing the forefront and all these men are getting in trouble, going to jail for right, all mm-hmm. these things. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought about you because uh, in that moment, because I'm in that sort of space of doing all the research on uh, listening to um, the, his, his podcast. And he also was the guy who helped, I'm not sure if you uh, saw these recent Gillette commercials, but he helped create those commercials where you see the first trans, this first, the dad teaching his trans son how to shave. And you Mm. see um, these dads, you know, talking about their mental health and like how you feeling today, like changing the conversation with men. So this is a part of the Mm -hmm. reason, like, one of my missions to like to help change (laughs) change the conversation that it's okay to talk about your health, your mental health. So, yeah. Uh, with that being said, uh, I want you to take us back because I don't think people even know what we're talking about just yet. Uh, probably about the title. If they don't know, they didn't read. If they don't know, they didn't read. They didn't read, right? <laughs> but I want to first start off with you taking me back, taking us back to the moment that you that sent you to make had you go to the, the the doctor to get checked out? Yeah, so I mean, the three weeks leading up to February 4th, you know, I had like just stomach viruses, like left and right, like stomach aches, stomach viruses. It's like, and no matter what diet I did, like whether I was eating like bread, rice, applesauce and toast, you know, or whatever I wanted, it's like, it just wouldn't get any better. And it just got to the point where it was like, I wasn't really eating anything or I wasn't really eating anything bad. And then on the fourth, I just remember like having plain ramen noodles and it feeling like there was barbed wire in my stomach. You know, like it was like I couldn't digest it. I couldn't eat it. And I was supposed to go into the city. I was supposed to, you know, do some assisting. I was supposed to, you know, be great with others. And here I am like crying in my car in a parking lot because it was like I can't that. even digest the food that I just ate. Mm. you know at the train station you know so it's like I was like on my way to the city like literally at the train station like I can't do this like you know I'm taking myself to the hospital like I can't I can't so I went home took a shower and I was actually going to take a nap and like sit this one out like you know like maybe it'll go away and I was like no like Mm. if you put this off it'll just be there later so you know (laughs) lo and behold I like ubered my way to the hospital and you know checked myself in and then you know they wanted to like rule out everything else so they checked for appendicitis they're like you know you have some inflammation down there so like we'll give you some antibiotics you know they gave me antibiotics ruled out appendicitis and they were like yeah we didn't think it was anyway because the symptoms are only 24 to 48 hours they're not like three weeks you know lo and behold they're like we're gonna just send you to the gi doctor the gastrointestinologist so like okay they sent me to the gi and they do a colonoscopy they're like, yeah, we couldn't get the camera, you know, we couldn't do a full scan because the camera couldn't get past the tumor that's in your colon. And I was like, you know, still like happy-go-lucky, like, you know, like still like in my Superman mode, like, you know, like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm super healthy. Like, oh, look at my six pack. You know, I'm super healthy. Like this stuff doesn't happen to me. You know, don't worry. It's going to come back benign. It's going to come back, you know, non-cancerous, you know. And then I just remember like that morning on February 11th when the doctor's just like sitting there telling me like, yeah, we got the results back, you know, and cancer you know and I just remember like tears just like rolling down my eyes and like Mm. my body just filling up with hatred because it's like you know this doesn't happen to me you know thinking in my head like doctor you don't know what you're talking about like do it again like you know I'm sure if you were to say that no I'm just thinking this is like all stuff that's like going in my mind so Mm. like outside all you just see is like you know tears rolling down my face like maybe like four tears it was just like and then like but on the inside like you don't know what you're thinking about like you don't know what you're doing like 
you don't know how to do your job. Like, there's no way that I have this. And then like, I just remember like, after maybe like 30 or like 45 minutes after that, just like, you know, like it is what it is. Like you came here for what you came for. You came here for what you came here for. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, right. at the moment, like, you know, it's really just about you getting better and you getting back to being healthy. And the whole reason why you're at the hospital is because you put your trust in the doctors to give you the correct information to act upon for you to be healthy. So. Yeah, that's, that's so great. You know what I mean? I am curious because um, to even get yourself back into that conversation of like, okay, I found out information. I found out what I wanted to know. Now, like, I'm going to do what it takes because that, that news takes people out of the game. <laughs> It really does, you know what I mean? But like, you know, I mean, I had I had two uncles, you know, one, they just didn't, like, just didn't do anything in order to take care of themselves. And, you know, they both passed away, you know what I mean? Because they just, and that, the point, the reason why I'm bringing this up, not like to be bringing doom and glue, but, um, and I bring this up because uh, they never talked about health. Like, at one point, my, one of my uncles, I I just randomly asked a question. We were all at uh, Christmas dinner or something around Christmas time, mm. and I and I knew he was older, like and he was in good health. I, mean, I guess he was good health. I knew he didn't exercise, and I knew he had been in the military, mm. and you know, been in the military that long, you get you know healthcare. And I was just, oh, you know, so I don't know. I, I don't know why this came to me. I was just like, oh, so. Like, how was your health? You know, how was it, uh, you know, have you been last name at the doctor? He looks at me. He's like, what doctor? And I was just like, what, what do you, what do you, what do you mean, what doctor? <laughs> uh, he was like, ask my girlfriend. I was like, well, why don't you ask her? I'm asking you. When was the last time you went to the doctor? Mm-hmm. And it became this huge argument. He hadn't gone to the doctor and like, since he was in the military, like almost 10 years. Wow. And... And I was just like, what do you mean? You haven't been to the doctor in 10 years, you know? And so, you know, kind of find out when he finally did, he had stage four cancer, you know what I mean? So I'm curious, like, you know, what for you, like, because you could have easily stayed home and like dealt with the pain. Yeah. You know, like a lot of men do, like a lot of, was there a fear of like going to the hospital or there has there ever been always been a fear? Because like, I know for me, and when I first when I came to New York, and to me as a gay man, I was like so terrified to go yeah. to the doctor because yeah. and I wasn't even having sex. <laughs> and I was like, why am I scared to go to the doctor? Like, yeah. what, like what has it ever been a fear of like going to the doctor and, you know, just getting checked out in general? Because a lot of men have that. They don't want to go to the doctor and take care of themselves. It wasn't a fear for me. If anything, it was a fear because I'm not covered by insurance. So it's like, you know, just right. like, go there and like, so like the fear for me isn't like you have cancer or like you have three weeks to live. It's like, okay, here's quarter million dollars that you have to pay us back. You know, and so like that was like where my fear lied. It wasn't necessarily with like getting checked up or like getting yeah. seen by a doctor. Like, you know, that's like a walk in the park. But like me having like a card, like uh, like a mortgage. By the time that I'm done being seen for whatever it is that I'm being seen for, that was like where the fear like set in. And I was, that's what kept me back from seeing a lot of doctors for like literally almost like your uncle the last 10 years. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I've been like covered sometimes and uncovered sometimes. And when I was covered, you know, I was like in good shape. So I wasn't thinking about seeing a doctor. I wasn't thinking about anything preventative 
And when I wasn't covered, I was like, dang, I wish I was covered so I could see a doctor. So I was like almost like a catch-22 where it's like when I had the coverage, I didn't take advantage of it. Mm. I didn't have the coverage. I was like eating myself up because it's like, why didn't you do this when you were covered? And then it's just like, just in hindsight, it just looks like over the last 10 years, because I haven't been seen by a doctor in a decade that it was really just- Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. So I brought up your uncle's story. I was like, dang, like, you know, it's like, it's like tugging at my heart right now. I'm like, that's, that's me, not the military, but, you know, just like not seeing the doctor for a decade. And then, you know, lo and behold, a decade later, like coming back and discovering this, it's like, wow, like just realizing that like something could have been done, could have been done a lot sooner yeah. and do anything about it. And the main reason why I didn't even act up until this point was because of like the expense or like the cost, like yeah. I was really scared, like I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm curious, like, um, how do you deal with your, before I even go to that, like, you know, for me, there was a lot of fear, too, of going to the doctor, even though I am covered, you know, um, wow. I remember there was a moment um, I was seeing a, a guy doctor, and he, in this particular week, he was out of town, and then I had to see a female doctor, and, you know, she was asking me more questions than my normal doctor would, so, okay, <laughs> you know, um, uh, like she, I think she asked him my age. She wanted to do a physical, and I was like, okay, you know, do a physical. And then, uh, oh, actually, I know why um, she did this physical. <laughs> I'm gonna be very TMI right now, you know. So I noticed that when <laughs> when I uh, ejaculated, like there was a different sensation that I normally didn't fit. Like normally, it was like much more intense than wow. I normally would, and I, it was great. But I was like, something's even though this is so great, something's mm. off. Like it shouldn't, I shouldn't feel this intense mm. happen. And so I just kind of brought it up casually. And then she checked my testicle. She's like, I need to, I want to send you to another doctor. And I was just like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? She's like, well, I kind of feel something. And I got so terrified. Oh my God. And, um, and then I remember she's, I can't, she sent me to this other this specialist and I had to get a, um, uh, uh, a sonogram um, and then you know I was like looking at the screen and then she's like well we, there was something here um, and, and I literally my heart my body just like froze and you know I started like um, I started crying and the, the nurse she's like she's like listen you need to stop <laughs> she was mm. like you're making this worse than what it is you don't need, we don't even know what this is and now you're like in this sort of like spiral she was like you need to think you need to change your thoughts right now because that is going to stop you and uh, send you down this, this this downward spiral and she was right like and i had to like really change my thoughts and i ended up calling my best friend that day and my friend was like listen Luckily, she's done a lot of transformation over it. She's like, okay, what are you making this mean about you? What do you do? Like all this stuff that we were talking about. Um, and it really calmed me down. So I'm curious mm -hmm. if like for you, like, like what are some of the day-to-day -day thoughts that you deal with that you have to constantly like shift to be in your like your happy state like you always are? <laughs> well, one thing for me that I realized was just like, just being a partner with the person that's in the room. So like, I know that the nurses and the doctors and the nurse techs are dealing with something. You know, I know when they leave work, they have, they have problems with how to work. You know, I know even in the next room, they probably had, they have problems with the patient next door. So 
it's not that I didn't want to be a burden. It's just that I was there for them just as much, if not more, than they were there for me. You know, and I mm -hmm. made it a point that whoever walked in that room walked out feeling better than before they got there. You know, yeah. like I just made it a point, like you know, if you walk in with like a neutral look or you know, even like a slight smirk, like you're gonna leave, but like you know, like laughing hysterically or just with like a smile on your face because, you know. I could be like a crappy patient. I could be complaining the entire time, you know, mm -hmm. or I could make their experience and their life better. And we could be like in a partnership together for my health versus like them begrudgingly making yeah. meds, you know, or something, whatever it is. Like get up and walk. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to walk, you know, because after a surgery, you know, they say you should be moving around. And I've seen it too. Like it was funny because I was there for 11 days. I had maybe like five different roommates and I was like, getting in my head like oh my god like everybody's like in and out like this place is like you know mcdonald's but like you know i'm here for like 11 days i have like five different roommates what's going on and like you know all of my roommates are great and there was this one guy who was like not a similar situation to me but like a, like a similar situation like yeah like a wound in his stomach like couldn't really move and like you know asking for like painkillers like every hour it was like intense and like you know the nurses were like reluctant to see him and then like literally behind like a cloth curtain is mm. me you know, and I'm like, you know, like living it up, having the best time of my life. Like my family, my friends are like visiting. So it's amazing. And, you know, just like funny how like, you know, two different, like two similar scenarios, you know, two similar people, you know, but two different outcomes. And like the way that the nurses approached me and the doctors approached me versus the way that the nurses approached him and the doctors approached him. It's like your mindset is everything. Yeah. The amount of people who reached out to me during this time, like literally they're all saying that they're like, you know. Just stay strong, you know, keep a strong mind, you know, stay strong, keep your mind strong and the body will follow, you know, and it's just yeah. like saying all these needlepoint expressions. But at the end of the day, what they're saying is true. It's like, right. and you're not there for the people that are there for you. Then it's like, literally, it's like, because your fate's in your own hands. So it's like, you're mm -hmm. just kind of like throwing the fate of your health down the tube. Right. And you, right. Like I, and I'm glad you said that because it's segue to, um, I think I told you, I mentioned you mentioned this book to you called You Can Hear Your Life by Louise Hayes. Yeah. And, you know, Lou, Louise Hayes, she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Wow. And before they were going to put her in treatment, but she was, she, in her movie, there's also a documentary too, which you wow. should watch. And she says, before I go on chemotherapy, there's something I need to do before, so I can learn how to heal myself before I, I want to do something first before mm. I go to chemotherapy. And they were like, okay. Mm. So she literally is, is and it's, and I, I'm going to say this very landmarky, where she literally started to write down all her negative thoughts, all the resentments, all the people she never forgiven. Like um, she really went through her entire life and dealt with each thing. Wow. And in her book, I have it right here. Like, you know, uh, how you can hear your life. And I remember, um, like, I was just so engrossed in the book. And it has all these workbooks, uh, these uh, worksheets. And um, she really breaks it down, like, with family, with friends, with money, with, your, like, um, wow. the disease that you're dealing with. And, like, and she pinpoints, like, and also a woman named um, Julia Cameron, who wrote Anatomy of the Spirit, she also breaks the body down and, like, different mm. diseases and, like, what situation in your life that could have linked back to those things that cause your body to produce these things. And so she really took it upon herself to, like, analyze every, it started to shift all her thoughts, even, like, just quickly glancing in the book before doing this podcast. She's even, like, whatever fear that you have 
when you're dealing with something, you have to analyze it, look at mm-hmm. it, where it comes from, and shift that mentality because that mentality is go- will take you out of the game. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just curious of like, you know, have you done like any work <laughs> um, recently of shifting your fears and what is your new weight conversation with yourself now as opposed to, because a lot of people, do, a lot of men deal with this. A lot of men don't talk about these things. Yeah. Um, and it'd be great to hear from someone like you. I mean, either I can share my own too. Because uh, I remember when I, when I got hurt and I hurt my back, I, I literally couldn't get out of bed. I barely uh-huh. could walk. I, could, I mean, I, it, to turn over, I was in excruciating pain. I remember having this thought of like, oh my God, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have kids. I'm never going to do this. I can't. And I was just like, I started bawling. And I was yeah. just like, what? Like, I was like, stop. Like, if I continue down this pathway, of mm. course I'm not going to heal myself. Yeah, and I had to like really shift those thoughts. Like I have a healthy body, healthy mind, even though I was in so much pain um, and the willingness to ask for help because I was like, I'm going to like <laughs> do this. And I had to break down, call my best friend. I was like, I need to go to the emergency room right now. Mm. You know, so how do you deal with your thoughts and the people around you and shift that <laughs> <laughs> conversation <laughs> with yourself? Uh, two things like one just really going back to like you know being there for them more than they are for you or like being there for them just as much as they are for you because it's like when you're putting them first or like when you're stepping outside yourself it's like you almost don't have time or you almost don't have the capacity for your negative thoughts Mm -hmm. it's like you're just there being there and being great with them so it's like all your thoughts all your reservations considerations limitations whatever you want to call them not necessarily stop or cease but they just kind of like the volume on them lowers and then yeah. you're just able to be like really just super present and like, you know, appreciative in the moment. And like, that's really all there is. Like, like one thing that this journey has taught me is just like <laughs> endless appreciation and really just like mm. endless love. And like, as like out there as that sounds, like it's working for me, you know? And it's like, that's not like a prescription for everybody. That's just like what I found to work for myself. Because all you have is right now. Literally, that is all you have. And it's just like, if you don't, take advantage of like what you have right now. If you don't yeah. take advantage of the time that you have right now and the responsibility, like it is your responsibility to generate good feelings and appreciation yeah. for yourself right now. Like you're not going to get it from, you know, an Xbox. You're not going to get it from a new <laughs> suit. You're not going to get it from a girlfriend. Like, you know, that is something that is your responsibility. And yeah, that that's how it is. It's like, you know, you generate your own emotions, you generate your own mindset. So it's like being in control of this every single second of every single day is what you were put on this earth to do. Yeah. And is that easy? I mean, it depends on the person, you know, and is it possible? It, getting close to it is possible. So yeah. I think just being there for people, putting myself aside is one thing. And then, yeah, on top of that, just really realizing that, like you said before, all you have is this moment. So it's like, what yeah. are you choosing in this moment? Right. It's like, you know, going back to return to love and she says we all we have this moment right now so you either choosing love or fear that's it mm-hmm. there is this only there is this those the only two actions you can take and i actually yesterday you know um we had like a, a classroom and our coach was saying going back to the book return to love by uh marianne williamson mm-hmm. and she was saying that either you're taking your actions out of fear or you're taking your actions out of love and mm-hmm. which one is going to generate for you the best results because fear produces fear and love produces love yeah you know what i mean and you want to always check with yourself am i about what i'm about to say is it out of fear 
or is it out of love? Is this action what I'm taking out of fear or is it out of love? And things are going to happen, you yeah. know, but you want to you want to always check in. Am I what I'm about to say coming from a place of love or fear? And that and, yeah. yeah, I just springboarding off of what you said and just going back to what you said before about how like when you did see the doctor, you were concerned about kids and stuff like that. It's about like your legacy. So it's right. like not even it's like love in the moment, but it's like, am I acting out of fear or am I act, acting out of love? And it's just like how will this benefit like the generations behind me right. or like you know, the generations that are coming after me? Because if you think about it, it's like because I start to like this whole process is really just like and I haven't opened up like a tech book at all, but it really just like makes me equate the human body or the human experience to like using a computer. So it's just like, you know, it's like that lady in her book, she wrote down all of her thoughts. And I just kind of think of like those are all like, you know, viruses on her computer. And it's right. like, there's like two ways to make a computer work. It's like you could either go through each and a virus, you know, or each virus, you know, and just like, you know, correct it, you know, like from the antivirus and like, you know, wipe them all out. Or you could just like factory reset the computer. So like another thing that I did was just like go back to baseline, like just go back to zero and just realize like, mm. you know, like nothing else compares to this moment that you have right now. Like so and just like really, really harping on that and revisiting that often is just gotten me through a lot and then it also made me realize like okay like if i'm acting out of fear or speaking out of fear versus if i'm speaking out of love what impact will that leave the generations that come after me whether they're related to me or not mm -hmm. because ultimately it's like you know in this moment all you have is you and what you do in this moment impacts not just you but like everybody who comes before you know everybody who comes after you and also everybody who came before you mm -hmm. i'm just i'm curious of like how like, what else is this teaching you about you? Like, how are you learning to love you a little bit more every day? Mm, that's really great. I think, like, what it has me do is, like, shift my love, not necessarily towards myself, but more so towards the universe. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when you put your love on that big of a power or, like, that big of an entity, it's not necessarily like it shows up. I kind of see love like skipping stones. It's like you don't really skip a stone with the desire that it comes back. You mm -hmm. kind of like skip a stone to see how far it's going to go. And that's kind of how I feel like love is. It's like, you know, I don't send love, you know, hoping that like, you know, somebody will give me something in return or like right. you know, affection or anything like that. I send out love just to see like how far it could reach. Mm. That's like ultimately what it is about for me now. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so awesome. Uh, I really love that. Um, I'm curious, like, you know, going to back what we said earlier of like how men don't talk about health, like, <laughs> or health issues. Like, why, why do you, what is your, in your opinion, like, well, why is this important for you to speak about this right now and agreeing to do this? And, you know, why is it important for men to share and talk and be brave? You know, because you're being very brave, you know, and stepping into your bravery and stepping into loving yourself because mm -hmm. ultimately you're loving yourself by putting yourself out there and just sharing what you have so people can know like you don't have to be hiding behind <laughs> your computer or be laying in bed like comatose you can actually talk about this without mm -hmm. being doom and gloom so like first of all let's talk about, like what why men don't talk about their health or share it like talk about this stuff in your opinion from your experience I just think it's like it's like it's not in the book and like nobody's really given a manual for how to be a man or how to be human. <laughs> but it's like you know they're like even if they were given a manual like it's not really like in the book it's not like a chapter that's really covered so it's just like and there's no real examples of it and like any kind of like examples of it are considered like weak or just like right. so it's like which is a false belief <laughs> jeez <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like those like images are like all around us. And it's like, we're really just like reactions responding to like all these images all around us. And it's like, we don't really get a chance to be our true authentic selves. And it's like a little sad because it's like, you see this thing, you get triggered, you don't know why. And the next thing you know, like a half an hour of your life is gone. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You're like, what did I just do for like that last half an hour? And it's like, oh, you're just busy like responding to a reaction or like responding to a stimulus and then responding to your response of these stimulus in your mind. And you waste like 30 minutes to an hour, like in a A day, a year. I remember like, you know, having a conversation, like I I work at, you know, uh, events and this, I said something to this guy, he got all jacked up about it. He's, and then 30 minutes later, he's still talking. I was like, I was like, girl, you still talking about this? Like, I, I, I left that back there. I'm not interested in like continuing this conversation that you're triggered about it. And I'm just like, I'm not interested in that. Like, I'm ready to move on. I don't want to be angry, upset, anxiety by like all that's on you. And it's like, <laughs> what you said, it's like, you know, a lot of men don't, or a lot of think, a lot of men don't stop and think, why am I triggered by this? Mm. Because the trigger has nothing to do with them, that mm. they said something that, like, I reacted. And I've learned that too, um, especially because um, I uh, studied with Calling in the One and Catherine Woodward Thomas. And actually, uh, Will Smith said this um, in one of his videos with Jada Pickett, mm. when he gets angry and upset with her. He knows that there's some part of him uh, is reacting and believing that what she said is really true or devaluing me. He was like, that's not with her. That's with me. I'm the one who's Mm -hmm. making it mean that I am not good enough. That's I have to deal with that. Not Mm -hmm. her. I have to deal with that. So, you know, I, I wish more men would step back and look and ask the question, why am I triggered by this? Why does this bother me? Why am I not? What I used to have this a lot. So why can I not go to the doctor? Yeah. What is it that is keeping me from going through the door? You know. You know what I mean? Like or even just like or even just like being vulnerable or like willing to be wrong. Like you know, right. it's like I realize it's like a lot of people are just unwilling to be wrong. It's like no, I'm right. What I say goes, and that's it. And it's just right. like you realize that in that perspective, you know, where you're so righteous, you're kind of just limiting right. yourself to other yes. thoughts and possibilities. Like imagine exactly. the people who thought the world were flat, like won that debate, <laughs> you know? <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find like a lot of men, you like exactly what you said, this self-righteousness, stop them from being vulnerable, stop them from being authentic. I remember uh, I was leading this <laughs> this uh, program and I was you know, talking to this guy, uh, he wanted to register and mm-hmm. African-American guy awesome. and he like he was in the room the whole time wouldn't like have the paperwork would filled it out but wouldn't um, register <laughs> and he had the money in his pocket he's like I pay for this cash right now <laughs> and I was like okay well what's stopping you and he mm-hmm. was like if I give you this money then I can't help my family mm, but, wow. but, but it was deeper than that yeah. and and then he finally said if and I know I said, well, who can you call to help you out? And he looked at me. He mm. was like, call. He was like, I can't call anybody in my family. He said, if I call them and tell them that I need money, they're going to see me as weak. And I have to be the strong one in the family. I have to. Like, I, I cannot let them see me struggle. Yeah. And it's that's funny. what men deal with. Well, it's funny, too, because, you know, like those words have to are almost like a shackle. 
you know, like right. adopts you. And it's just like, you want to be land, you know, land of the free, home of the brave. But it's like, you know, you have all these haves and these shoulds and these obligations. And it's just yeah. like, how free can you be when you're obligated? You know, it's like, <laughs> there's a video game that I played or that my nephews played. And it was said, um, you know, like uh, a slave, I think a man chooses like and a slave obeys, you know, and it's just like, mm. so are you going to be like a man and choose really? Or are you going to be like a slave and just obey your haves and your shoulds and your obligations? And those weird, the weird part is like those haves, those shoulds and those obligations aren't even probably from you anyway. They're probably from like society or mm -hmm. like somewhere that you read it. It's like you don't even know how they got in there and you're defending them, even though you don't even know how those ideas and beliefs got in there, which is like the wonderful part about being a human. <laughs> right. But it's it's also an opportunity to discover where that belief come from and why do I believe that? Mm. Like, you know, if, I think when I was becoming a coach for my certification, mm. like we really had to look at beliefs, even like now in these entrepreneur groups, you know, she's, she, not that she forces it, but she, have us look at the beliefs behind why we're pursuing our business, why we want to make this kind of money, why, like, like, like really why, like really analyze and shift that belief because of that, uh, this empowerment belief will stop you from making the money that you want to make or stop you from going mm -hmm. or either picking up the phone or answering an email that we, we hold on to these beliefs about ourselves. Or sometimes we need to even know that we have these beliefs that are pigeonholing us and holding us down, mm. you know? And um, yeah, uh, I remember when I first um, going to the clinic to get tested uh, for STDs, I was just so terrified, you know? Mm. And I was just like, why am I so scared? You know mm. what I mean? Like I knew I was having protective sex. Mm. I knew I wasn't, I wasn't really sexually active. You mm. know what I mean? And like just sitting in that room, I think at the time there wasn't, you know, prep and things around for uh, like HIV and like, you know, I was very uneducated about uh, uh, viruses. And I think that's what scares people because we're very uneducated about, you know, there's, you know, vaccine for this, there's a, a medication for like syphilis or gonorrhea or chlamydia. Uh, and I remember just being relieved, like I had nothing. And I was just like, well, that wasn't so bad. You know what I mean? Um, but really, I, but I had to really, for myself, mm. really start to like, look at mm. why am I, why am I afraid to be at the doctor? Like, why, wow. what is so scary? Like, this is like what you said earlier, every doctor, every nurse is here to help me get better. So I need to come from that place. Like they're in partnership with me to make sure that my health is okay. Even if it's for me to like, well, you need to stop eating meat. I was like, okay. <laughs> it's like, you know, doing what it takes to be healthy. And some people, especially in the African-American community, like would not give up meat in order to have a healthier life. It was like, I'd rather just die than give up <laughs> or like stuff like that. Um, but I'm curious to have you, like what are some of your beliefs or what are some of your fears of like that kept you from from 10 years of going to the doctor? I don't think it was a fear as much as a more so arrogance. Like with me, it was just mm -hmm. arrogant. I was like, you know, I was always running. I was always lifting. I was always working out. So stopping to see a doctor wasn't even necessary. You know, I was like, oh yeah, I got this insurance. Like, oh yeah, I got this primary care physician and I don't need to use it. And that's the worst thing that I could have ever done to myself. Because finally, when I did go, it's like, now I got hit with the truck. So right. it's, 
just interesting. I don't think for me, it wasn't fear. It was more so just me believing that I was in the healthiest shape that I could be based on, you know, my health, like from an outside appearances from an external standpoint and not an internal standpoint. And there are things that, you know, scans and checkups can pick up that you can't see with the naked eye. Right. And how, how has your conversation shifted with your male friends about health now? Just, it's funny because like, you know, I'm like, hi, you know, I have stage three cancer in my colon, you know, like that's like literally how like the conversations have started and just really raising awareness around this. It's like, you know, because they'll like look at me like, oh my God, you're so healthy. Like, you know, you're so fit. You're so sociable. Like, I don't understand. Like, you know, like how did this happen to you? I even went vegan for a little bit, you know, a week before Thanksgiving, which I don't think was the smartest idea, but you know, like I even like was even changing my diet. So for them to be in a conversation with me about this life altering situation that I'm in now and just realizing that I'm going through it, through what I'm going through, like, I just hope that it raises their awareness to be like, all right, you know, like take this seriously, like, you know, get checkups, get scanned, do whatever it is that you have to do. Like they recommended my entire, like my, all my siblings get scanned and like, I'm really pushing that they get scanned. And because it's like, you don't know where it'll come from. And on Wednesday, I went to go get genetic testing because like they're trying to figure out like where it came from because, you know, people in my family had cancer, but they didn't have the type of cancer that I have. So like they're really trying to figure out like, you know, is this genetic or like did this just kind of come out of nowhere? Mm-hmm. And like sometimes cancer could just come out of nowhere. And like that's what I'm starting to realize. Like it doesn't have to be because your mom had it or because your dad had it or your grandmother or your aunt. Like it could just literally you know, just like duck, 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 goose. Like it's random. Wow. Like, you know, yeah. like one day you could get picked. So it's like, you might as well choose, like choose to get checkups and get it done, taken care of earlier rather than trying to like, you know, fight the uphill battle on the back end when you find out later on down the road. What do you um, hope that men take away from like hearing this? <laughs> just like, I uh, just capture every moment, you know, live every moment like it's your last. And, you know, just, Make it a priority to be vulnerable, you know, share what it is that you're going through. Like, you don't have to be stoked. You don't have to be the strong stone warrior. Like, there are people in the world that are going through what you're going through and get checked up because at the end of the day, it's like, it may be an hour, maybe two hours, but it's like, you're on this planet if you're lucky enough to live to be 75 for like 28,000 days, you know? Times that by 24, that's how many hours you're on this planet, you know? And it's just like, is one or two hours like worth not having more hours in the grand scheme of things? Right. I'm curious you mentioned vulnerability because that's really interesting. I, as I was talking about um, Jason Rosario, um, mm-hmm. the creative of Dear Men, and he he's re-advocating like men being vulnerable, men being authentic and sharing themselves. So I'm curious, like, why is that important? Like, why do you why do you see or what is the realization that you see that is important to step into? Because we're not mind readers and nobody knows what you're dealing with, you know? It's just like if we were mind readers, everybody would win the lottery and <laughs> right. would work out. And unfortunately, that's not the case. It's like nobody knows what you're dealing with until you open your mouth. And the interesting part is you could like open your mouth and like say the truth or something authentic, or you could open your mouth and say, you know, a falsehood and something inauthentic. So it's like nobody's going to truly know what you're dealing with until you like authentically open your mouth and speak from that place. And who have you been vulnerable with recently? everybody like <laughs> people are coming out of the woodwork it's like oh my god i heard what happened <laughs> so it's just like literally every single conversation every single moment and when i'm not doing that i'm probably sleeping <laughs> and that, has there been moments too of like you know you thought about like well why am i holding on to this resentment why haven't i forgive this person like have you 
thought about those things and have you dealt with those things? They come up from time to time and then I just realize like that's always going to come up just being a human and just dealing with it. it's going to come on a day-to-day like moment-to-moment basis and then like as soon as it comes up and I'm aware of it you know I do a deal with it like you know like no like you know this person's amazing like give me an example you have an example that comes up for you all the time yeah like my sister like sometimes like we'll talk and then like you know i'll say something she's like oh my god like i can't believe so many people are contributing to you you know on your website and i'm like oh that's because it's this particular group of people that's been like contributing to me the most and then she'll like either like change the subject or like you know like quote like the bible and i'm just like did you not see what I said? Like, <laughs> this like great body of people just like really contributed to me in my life. You know, just like really putting that out there and just like so like with me with her, it's just kind of like I don't want to say like a back and forth struggle, but it's just like really represencing myself to like that's like my only not my only sister, but like that's my only sister. That's her, and just realizing that like she's an amazing person. Like I greatly appreciate her have like me having her in her in my life and. Like, then it just all disappears. And then, like, I'm just able to be there and just be present with her. You know, it's like just as fast as it comes, it, like, it disappears. And, like, when it disappears, like, it lasts longer than when I'm in that reactive state. Yeah. So, what are some of, have you been doing things that you normally wouldn't do to just, like, like, how are you living life more? Because, you know, a lot of when people face something like this, or in general, you know, you, you, mm-hmm. You go, well, why haven't I done this? When I, like, what are some of the things that you're doing that you hadn't done or are doing now? And you, like, finally get all this out of your system. Like, how do you think your view, I know this is sort of projecting in the future. Um, <laughs> what do you think you're going to start doing differently? Or what, do you do, what are you doing differently other than just being and appreciative and giving your love and throwing it out there? Like, what what are you doing differently? Oh, well, the interesting part is, like, I honestly think that is the difference. Like, just, like, sending the love out there and then also the vulnerability. So, like, you know, I take pride in, like, knowing a lot and, like, being able to coach others. But I, you know, grimace or, like, cower away from, like, others contributing to me. So just, like, really allowing myself. So, like, what I'm doing differently now is allowing myself to be vulnerable and be open and to talk about it. And yeah. it's fun, like, in talking about it, it's like I'm able to bring, like, a lot of humor and, like, light to the situation. Yeah. And because it's like whenever I usually see a post about cancer, it's like, oh, my God, da, da, da. And I'm not saying that cancer is not a serious thing. I am saying, and I am saying that, you know, you can, like, it's, like, weird. Like, I'm excited, like, a kid before Christmas to go to my next chemo treatment. It's like, I go on Fridays. I know it'll knock me out probably all day Saturday and all day Sunday, but I'm still, like, excited like a kid waiting by the Christmas tree or by the chimney because like I know it's like a step closer to me getting healthier I know it's a step closer to me getting better and then just like making these mental shifts has made the difference for me and also just being more vulnerable and open and what was it like going through your first treatment it was amazing like I was just like I was there like my friend Alex and my sister were there like visiting me and it's funny because he was like oh my god he's like I thought I was gonna have to like come here and lift your spirits but he's like I'm actually like glad I came I like sat back and just laughed the whole time and I was like, that's how I want the journey to be. Like, will it get harder? Yeah. That could be a possibility. You know, could I get super weak and negative? That could be a possibility. And like, am I doing everything in my power right now in order to maintain and like just continue what I have going on now? Yeah. So. And what is it like when you're, so to walk me through like what chemo is and like how, what is the process of that happens to your body? Like, what is all that? Gotcha. So like I had two surgeries and like one was a port in my chest. 
And like, that's where they put the chemo in. So basically it's just like, it's an injection. Mine lasts for two hours and like the needle just literally pops on like a butt. And like, they make me numb it with some cream before I get the needle. So I don't even feel it. And then, so I'm like, just like laying there, like getting the IV for two hours. And then they, another nurse comes in and they like replace that IV with like another like backpack IV. And that's like to put like more chemo in my body over the weekend for the next 48 hours. So it's like, two hours at the hospital and then like another 24 after I leave. And then like when I'm there, like super relaxed, like it doesn't hurt, it's not painful or anything like that. And then what I've noticed was just like after that Friday treatment, like Friday, I'm good. But then like Saturday, it's like all I did was like wake up for breakfast, eat, mm. and sleep. you know, wake up for lunch, eat and sleep Sunday. And then like, you know, wake up for dinner, eat and sleep. And then Sunday was similar. Like I think I woke up for breakfast, ate and slept. And then I woke up like around, I want to say like afternoon time, like two or three o'clock. And then like me and my friend hung out at the Starbucks. And then like as soon as I got back from the Starbucks, we like, you know, because we were there for like a good like hour or two. Like I just like went right to sleep. And then like by like Monday, Tuesday, I was kind of like back to like a normal like staying awake during the day pattern so like that's what it's been like but as far as pain no pain just with me being like such an active guy like having to like not are you be still able- working out no like so it's like not being able to work out that kind of like gets to me and then like just like sleeping like so much and like not being able to run that gets to me too because so like, it knocks you out yeah and what's and then, what do you what is also, it about? Also from the surgery, it placed like physical limitations on me. So like, I can't lift more than 20 pounds and like, you know. Oh, so you've had the surgery, you had it removed. Yeah. And so the chemotherapy is to make sure that any leftover residue is like going away or shrinking. Well, the surgery that I had just now was just, so right now I, I crap into a bag that's like to the left of my, <laughs> that's to the left of my wow. So like that surgery was for that. So I was like, you know, like underneath the shirt is a bag that's attached to my stomach where like all my waste goes into. And wow. then so that surgery. So like, you know, my physical limitations are in response to that surgery. Like I can't lift more than 20 pounds and you know, I can't run, but I could do, I could walk and I could do stairs. So I was like, you know, somebody who was like in the gym, like sometimes three times a day, like talk, you can't lift more than 20 pounds and like you can't run. I'm just like. I mean, I mean, how do you deal with that? Because I know for me, when I, after my injury for my back, like going through Spartan trainings, you know, you're like physically running and drifting. And like today I was in the gym. I like, I usually could do push up, I mean, pull ups. And now mm-hmm. it's like, I'm back to like zero. Mm-hmm. Like, just because I, the, the stress on my back, mm-hmm. like was so great. I couldn't even lift myself up for like a year and a half just wow. to be careful. So mm-hmm. now I'm like back in a place of like, trying to get and it's so frustrating mm-hmm. that like I have to like learn how to like okay just one day at a time like mm-hmm. how how are you managing that with yourself like knowing that because I know you're very super fit and super doing all these things uh, did all these things and now like okay you're basic back at zero like, yeah how, how are you how are you dealing with it how are you handling that every day to day with me just really just focusing on like this is part of the healing process and it's right. just like as much as my ego you know or i like, know that ego <laughs> my past identity of myself wants to work out and wants to like you know control the world and like you know run around the world like um i just have to realize that you know it's a humbling experience like yeah. and it's all for like you know it's there's a bigger payoff in the long run and like yeah. you know, if i were to compromise that if i were to like give into these desires then it's like I may not see the benefits of like health, like, you know, six months to a year down the road, depending on 
when the chemo is done and like when I fully recover from the chemotherapy. So just kind of like having that marathon mindset in mind versus like that sprinter mindset in mind mm-hmm. is really mm-hmm. so like, good. Yeah. Like I want to work out right now. Like reactions that come up every now and then. Yeah. Some key takeaways is, you know, love, throw that love out there and have no expectations. Just like, and love every human being that you come in contact with because everybody wants, everybody's doing their best and people want to see you win. Yeah. Uh, two, you said be vulnerable, like have the courage to be vulnerable and share yourself, like what you're going through and, you know, get help and go to a doctor and share with your friends, you know? And I'm sure like uh, in this time, like when I was injured, like it's like learning that, you know, there's nothing like but right now. There's nothing but right now. And I'm either going to choose to be in agony and pain and frustration, or I'm just going to let this go right now because I don't want to waste time <laughs> being frustrated, you know? Um, what else? Takeaways? I think just really, like, you summed it up, like, be vulnerable, go get checked, and just knowing that, like, you know, this moment is all you have right now. Yeah. It's funny, too, because one of my nurses, she's like, yeah, she's like, you're going to get through it. My sister beat cancer, God rest her soul. I'm like, wait, your sister beat cancer? Like, why are you saying God rest her soul? Well, she's not with us anymore. And she's like, oh, she got hit by a car like a week after. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so oh, like, God. Like, literally, you, like, literally only have this moment right now. So just soak it up and you know it's a diagnosis not a death sentence like even mm. if you go to the doctor and you find something like know that you know there are people with way worse cancers than i have that have recovered from them you know and i consider yeah. myself lucky because you know even though it is an advanced stage it's not as it's not as advanced as it could be yeah and you can be happy living with cancer absolutely yeah um anyway i just really appreciate you just being here and sharing yourself and um, you mean a lot to me. That's why I wanted to have you here and just wanted to acknowledge you for, you know, (laughs) your courage and your bravery and your vulnerability and your authenticity and just sharing yourself like, like you never had before. And it's so beautiful and powerful. And I thank you. Well, I greatly appreciate that and accept that acknowledgement. And I just want to acknowledge and appreciate you for just being a stand for this work, like, you know, going out on a limb, starting your podcast, (laughs) inspiring me, (laughs) inspiring me to get up this morning and, like, you know, actually have something on my plate to do. Like, oh, like, oh my God, like, you know, I literally felt like I was on my way to like a job interview. Like, like, best experience that I've ever experienced in my entire life. And you're also like, you know, having a different, having me have a different conversation in my mind where it's like, you know, now that I have all these physical limitations and like coming from the background of being a server, it's like, what do I do for work? And now you're starting to show me that like, there's like technology out there that you could use and still get stuff done. So I'm like, you're opening my eyes right now. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And I know you have a GoFundMe page. Um, that GoFundMe page would be in the show link. So please support this man, um, donate to his cause. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much for being here. And I love you, man. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. 
And if you really like this podcast, please share it. Twitter, Instagram, or on your webpage. Thank you. Crazy Juicy Love.